Hello, and welcome to the Shadowlight Podcast. I'm your host, Larissa Bell. At Shadowlight, I help empaths and highly sensitive people understand their sensitivity as their greatest strength so that they can build a life that feels good to live. On our podcast, we explore themes like self-discovery, body wisdom, living in alignment, boundary setting, and prioritizing well-being. Take a few deep breaths, relax any tension from your body, and let's get started. Hello, listeners, and thank you for joining us for today's episode. Today, I'm speaking with Spencer Harbour. Spencer was raised in the Western lifestyle and studied in the Far East and characterizes his journey as one of transformation. He grew up ranching, rodeoing, footballing, and weightlifting to satisfy the requirements to present himself as a strong man, but also remain secretly soft and vulnerable and participated in the arts, drama, comedy, and music to satisfy his callings to create. While living abroad for seven years in Tokyo and Germany, he received his graduate training in health and wellness coaching, as well as his yoga teacher training that was conducted in the birthplace of yoga, Rishikesh, India. Spencer now works with men, teens, and couples to realize their highest selves through a hybrid coaching approach that uses the teachings of yoga to establish somatic awareness for lasting transformative results. He's also the founder of the Kula Dudes Men Group located in Boise, Idaho. Spencer, it is such a pleasure to have you on. What is going on in your world right now? Uh, thank you so much, Larissa. I uh, appreciate that question too. And that's what a, what a nice intro there. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's going on with, with me is just uh, really enjoying the spring, the spring weather that we have here in Boise uh, and surrounding myself with uh, good people and good friends, you know, and just just taking everything in just day to day and embracing kind of that slow living of life, you know, cause it's mm. easy to get to caught up in that hustle and bustle. And that's everything that, that you uh, kind of help with, uh, with coaching uh, your people too, kind of savoring mm. and embracing that slow type of, of life. And uh, um, that's, those, those are the things going on in my world, just keenly aware of, um, of all of those, all of those things that's going on in my environment with my, kids that I I, uh, have my my daughters they're on spring on uh, sorry summer break right now so Mm -hmm. how how old are they now yeah they're 16 years old now oh my goodness and they're twins am I right they're twins yes oh boy one yin (laughs) one yang uh one fire one ice you know that's how it goes and they keep you on your toes I imagine yeah (laughs) they do they do it's yeah, they 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 make me mindfully aware each and every day that I still have stuff that I, I work on uh, that I yeah. need to work on. So yeah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I love that. Into coaching. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you know, living because you are you're living in Boise as well right now. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And I feel you as someone that lives in Bend, Oregon. I think that we both have that in common. We've got these beautiful environments around us that you know, we both have this intention to really kind of live a little slower and savor our experiences like we were talking about earlier. And living in places like this, I feel like it's really supportive of that. You know, I get, I step outside and I, you know, get out of my little bubble where I'm all holed up in my, you know, chilled, chilled room hunched over my laptop and I go outside and it's like dazzling. (laughs) It really encourages me to like, let me let me just take this in. Let me just be present to what's all around me. Cause it's like, this is my Disneyland. 
you know, having oh. lakes and rivers and stuff all around me. Absolutely. Like I, I, I like that you talked about that in Ben and Boise share, you know, that, in, you know, a lot of things in common, uh, their climate for one, but to the amount of people that are moving here and how fast it's growing to. That as well. Yeah. It's like, Hey, we need more nature. And uh, it's good to have like a good mix of city living, what have you, or be around sure. a good community of people and still get out in, in nature's playground and ride mountain yeah. bikes and climb mountains and swim in mm. rivers and things like that. Absolutely. And I'll just say one more, just about these towns, you know, I came from living in the San Francisco Bay area right before this. That's actually where well, technically, I think we, you know, you weren't living there. You were remote. Um, but I got to meet right. you through this company that we were both at, which was San Francisco based. And I thought that, you know, I didn't think that I am a city person, but I always see the best in wherever I'm living. And so I had, yeah. you know, a lot of fondness for San Francisco, but I was doing the commute and doing all of that. And, you know, you identify with your city and you get affectionate, you know, over the things you have access to. But once I moved to Bend, I realized I was like, oh, I don't think I've ever been a city person. I'm just a, a person that happened to live in cities and I see the best in things. But now that I live here, I don't even think that I could go back. I tried. Yeah. And is is that that you're changing the environment? Is that what probably provoked that uh, that slow living that that you're promoting? You know, it was a lot of things that kind of you know, merge together. It's hard to separate one from the other. Um, what initiated the change was that I got back together with my partner who we've been involved together across 10 years, long, long time. Um, we wanted to go find somewhere that was just new for both of us. I was still no more or less enjoying the Bay area, but I was also kind of getting burned out without realizing it. You know, I didn't, I didn't have that language in the moment. I wouldn't have been able to tell you that I felt that way was really once I felt the contrast that that really highlighted to me. Yeah. Like, oh, wait a second. Something's changing in my nervous system here uh, now in Bend. You know, I feel so different yeah. here than I did waking up at the crack of dawn and commuting, you know, crossing a bridge uh, every morning and evening. It wasn't until it's kind of like, you know, a fish, a fish, you say, oh, to a fish, you're in water. It says, what is water? It's all it knows. Yeah. <laughs> I'm butchering that metaphor, but it's like, you don't gotcha. know until you're in a different environment that, Oh, life yeah. can feel very different. Absolutely. I'm with you hundred percent on that. Mm. I feel you. Yep. Yeah. So Spencer, cool. something that I've been looking yeah. forward to exploring with you today is this theme of self-discovery, which shows up both in your work of right. mine. So yeah. with our clients, uh, we both look at the ways to sit, that society has conditioned us to suppress the sides of ourselves that are more sensitive, softer, or more emotional, and how that can lead to us feeling disconnected from our true selves in the long run. Yeah. And you've yeah. mentioned to me that a common theme you see in the men's influencer circles are the Goggins, Rogan, and Peterson crowds that hammer these philosophies to stay hard into the minds of men. <laughs> um, in your yeah. opinion, what, what's the impact that those kind of narratives have on the men that follow them closely? It's a really interesting question. And I thank you for that here too. But I really just like, if you can imagine just like hitting yourself with the, with a blunt object over time, you know, over mm -hmm. time, over time, your body begins to build a defense mechanism against it. You begin to not feel after a while. And mm -hmm. I think that's what things that 
makes us innately human. And especially when it comes to men, it's that our ability, I mean, men are just overall missing out of that opportunity to really tune into their sensitive, their sensitive side and Mm -hmm. to pay attention to the subtleties, um, the subtle changes within their body, within their thoughts, within their behaviors, within their environment and really savoring those. And when we, when we adopt that, that stay hard type of mentality and when at all costs, we're really, you know, excuse the metaphor, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Like there's some mm-hmm. good things that can happen when we, when we push through difficult things, but it's not the only thing because we're missing out on so much more. Um, if we continually ignore that side of us, that's telling us to pause, to savor, to mourn, mm-hmm. to, to feel, to have empathy compassion, all of these types of things. And I, I feel men are in a spot where they're lost and confused. And these, you know, these people, these influencers, they do provide a degree of some mastery over men's situations, but I feel like it only take them so far. Um, so I, I just feel like if you're grinding every day and if you, and if you look at it as terms of like, if you're grinding a knife down to its nub, I mean, you're not honing an edge. I feel there's a way to subtly notice how you're holding, you know, your blade of life and then mm-hmm. using the grind to really sharpen it and to hone it. It takes some, it, it takes some finesse and it takes some finesse in life. And I just feel that yeah. there's an opportunity with yoga to speak to men about the importance of staying true to your inner nature, your softness. Um, yeah. And uh, that's when the seeds can grow. I mean, you can know, I mean, I use this metaphor a lot when you, when you talk about like, say what, what some men are doing about staying hard and you put a brick in your hand, that's Mm -hmm. that hard brick. You take that seed of what would be that knowledge or that idea you want and you set it on top of that brick. And no matter how many times you water or how much you get sun, you can't do anything. But if we have set our conditions in such a way to where we have soil nice soft soil, we plant that seed and then start watering it. It's porous enough to allow things to come in and it builds up enough heat and that seed can begin to sprout. And that mm-hmm. in that softness is where we find the nutrients we need in order to, to grow these seeds and these ideas. And it's yeah. okay to be soft. You need to be soft in order to grow. Absolutely. And you know, the way that you were describing that, it, it, really highlights for me that when we close off or suppress these parts of ourselves that are necessary for us to be the complete and full version of ourselves, the full expression of ourselves, we're also closing ourselves off to experiencing different aspects of life because we're not in a receptive place to slow down enough to really experience certain pleasures, certain experiences and I'll share just like a, a personal, you know, anecdote, anecdote that yes. is also happening now. You know, I, I have my partner, Kyle, and I won't overshare, you know, because these are his stories to tell, but I can hmm. reference something that's been coming up for us. It was about a year ago. We live in Bend and we do cool things here. There's lots of cool events and there's forest parties. Okay. So yeah. DJs, We'll go out and set things up in the woods and, you know, everyone wears their fun glow in the dark clothes and we just boogie until, you know, dawn. Yeah. And about a year ago, I went with Kyle and he was, I was kind of noticing in his body language, he's a little locked up, maybe not looking very comfortable. And, you know, I checked in with him and I was like, Hey, you know, what's, what's coming up for you? What are you feeling? 
And it took a little time for him to find the words, but he said, he's like, I feel disconnected from dancing and almost like I've been trained, like you're not supposed to dance. You're not supposed to let loose on the dance floor because that's not masculine. That's not manly. I, I was kind of taught to, you know, you dance a little bit with your arms, you can sway your shoulders, but you're not like, don't really get into it. You know, like you're not allowed to do that. And and it left him feeling like I can't really be present on the dance floor or in this beautiful community or just with my body because I've got this deep seated like training, like I'm not allowed to really be doing this. And it was such an interesting turning point. We kind of had to unearth that in order to do something about it. And over this past year, we've really made a point of it to immerse ourselves in dance and music and just be in those spaces. And, you know, I encourage him to like pursue that on his own too. And now a year later, he's, he's making music. He just played a set for the local ecstatic dance community last night, you know, and it's such so amazing to see this transformation, but it started with him realizing, Oh, I'm not honoring (laughs) this part of me that wants to come out and dance and when, once you do open up some space for it, it's okay if you don't really know that part very well. You haven't spent much time with them. You have to get to know them and let them get stronger. Yeah. Oh, I love that you share that story. That's really similar to what I experienced because, mm-hmm. you know, and I mentioned this a little bit, and I think in one of your posts that, you know, we're listening to the same music because I too mm-hmm. went through a huge growing part. A big part of my story is finding the underground music scene here in Boise and coming out a very difficult, very difficult time in my life where I was essentially homeless and uh, Mm -hmm. lost my kids for a little while. And I was just kind of down and out. And it's the scene where I, I was really brought into to learn about the music, to learn about dance because I too was like too, too stubborn to that and like feeling disconnected. And it really helped bring me out of that funk. And there's so much healing in dance and there's so much Mm. healing with that music. It's just unexplainable. It's, I often tell people is like that part of my life, it saved my life. It, Mm. uh, it brought so much joy and tour so much joy to where I still spin music today. Like I, I still Mm. have a a couple turntables down in my uh, office and where I conduct my, the yoga and coaching sessions, I usually put something on there um, Mm. to, to help facilitate a flow of thought that kind of takes us out of our head and puts us into our bodies more and more, Mm. begin to unearth these nuggets that we basically cover over with these expectations of what it's like to be a man or how we should look in front of others. And uh, when we do that, we find that we can shake our hips pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. And it just, it, that brings to mind, you know, this, this phrase I've heard that not everything in life is meant to be analyzed. Some things are just meant to be experienced. And I think that we get so stuck in the headspace of trying to find like the logical, you know, answer to the things we're pondering. And when it comes to yoga, dancing, and all these other somatic experiences, I find that that's when my most meaningful insights arrive about life when I'm not trying to think my way through it, when I'm just being really present and following what my body wants to do and giving myself that freedom. Literally, that's when the light bulb moments happen 
far more often than when I'm like pressing myself and really trying to like think my way to that conclusion. And I think that's so beautiful how you weave the somatic experiences into what you offer with your clients and really bring that to, you know, the forefront of, of what that, what that process looks like. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's just, it's just basically building and just imprinting these ideas of these insights into the nervous system. We're using mm-hmm. the body uh, to, to really just, there's no other way to just indelibly mark the, the lessons, the intention, really setting the intention with intention. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and um, yeah, that's it. Whether you're doing that through interpretive dance or yoga or Tai Chi or what have you, but mm-hmm. it's just, it's just so fascinating to really look with, within us, like every answer we'd ever want to, to any riddle of the universe, it seems like is within us and it's in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And we think that we can, intellectually read a, I mean, we'll read a book and we're using our mind and our thoughts to get out of it. But that's the thing is that we have so much more of us that's outside of our brain that has this innate Mm. uh, intelligence that we can tap into. Like we don't tell ourselves how to digest food or to circulate blood and and to, to go through mitosis and uh, like all this Mm -hmm. stuff. I mean, we can't do that. The body is doing all that by itself. It's just a beautiful thing. And so what if we can just open that lens up just a little bit more and just have, take more of a step back, step back and let, let it get out of our own way and and notice what Mm -hmm. happens and just become more mindfully aware of what your body feels like holding these different postures, breathing a certain way, still Mm -hmm. reminding ourselves of the intention as we're moving and just being open to the experience here and there. Mm-hmm. and that's when you see the light bulbs really flashing for these guys and they, they leave lighter they leave more you know illuminated absolutely and it it makes me think too like it's kind of necessary for us to surrender to that process a bit and it makes me wonder if yeah. maybe that's a tough aspect for someone that has been conditioned to be in a role of leadership and you know, I'm, I'm disciplined, I'm providing, you know, all the things, all the attributes that come along with this, like very, um, gendered, you know, male role that you're supposed to be upholding at all times, because I've found that, you know, even when my partner has expressed to me, Hey, you know, I kind of am feeling the need for more nurturing, or I want to let go of it and let you take the lead on something. He might even know that he wants that, but it's hard. It's hard for him to actually let go and receive yeah. that nurturing or just do, you know, the practice of, of moving his body and just really trust like this is okay. And I don't yeah. have to have my hands on the steering wheel, you know, in the sense that like I'm controlling the experience. So I wondered, you know, do you think that that might be a, a an initial challenge for people that are kind of coming from this strong conditioning of I need to be in control of myself and my thoughts and and my body to then, you know, they try these somatic practices or yoga for maybe the first time. Oh yeah. No, it's, thank you for that. That's that insight is, I think that really paints an overall picture of what it's like to, to work with guys. And that's the the biggest Mm -hmm. uh, situation is, am I going to be, am I going to be perceived as weak? That's it. Mm -hmm. That's one. Uh, if I, if I remain open and vulnerable, uh, th- that could be a threat because we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're brought up to be like these protectors. Um, people, we're the guys that drive 
you know, people to where they want to go. Guys are primarily the drivers and have to deal with the road rage and the being on time. And there's just a lot of these ingrained like responsibilities that are just buried in us and in even mm-hmm. ingrained in our nervous system. So if something goes against um, that protective mechanism, then we get in that fight or flight mode, as you know, and, mm-hmm. and then we act out of our own uh, fight or flight response rather than, um, you know, coming from a more relaxed state. Uh, we talk about like the, that parasympathetic or that, uh, that ventral vagal, uh, I can take care of this. I can handle anything type uh, state in your nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just understanding, helping guys understand where they're at in their body, you know, but using the right terminology to where you don't really have to bring that up to where they can understand that. Go, well, I don't know what that means. If you're, you're, you're trying to just relate to them on a, on a certain level to kind of just build that trust and to let them know that I'm, I'm your partner in with this. You know, I'm partnering with you on this shoulder to shoulder and you and I are just looking in the same direction. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not above anyone in the, in my group or in the, anyone that I work with. I'm just, I'm with you, you know, I'll get that guide on the side. And I'm just innately curious about, you know, what it is that we do together. And in that building that trust can kind of, they can begin to let their guard down, ask questions and can they get into that point of discovering and designing and creating? Cause that's fun as hell. Mm, absolutely. And I think it's so beautiful that you bring this sense of camaraderie, you know, into, into your work. Cause I do think that another thing that comes along with, you know, again, this very like gendered sense of like what a man is, what a man is supposed to be, you know, a big part of that I think is like working in solitude and being yeah. the lone wolf and just something, a pain point that I've heard from so many of my male friends and family members is like, that it's hard for what a guys to find emotional connection among other men, you know, like in non-romantic situations. And, you know, it's, it's so funny because when, so again, I'm I'm referencing Kyle a lot here, hope you don't mind, babe, (laughs) (laughs) but he's, you know, he's been going to a men's group. that's very local in town. It's, it's a small group. It's, it's actually all people that we know, you know, which is pretty funny. Um, so yeah. that's intimate. And, you know, I think that the first, the first session that they had together, I don't know what the prompt was because I wasn't there, but it was something like, what's something that you want more of in your life? We'll say, and every single man in there said more connection with other men. And it's, it was just such a funny thing. And it was great. It's like, well, that's very convenient that you've all shown up here today, you know, cause I yeah. think that you can know what you want, but still not know how to action on it necessarily. Because yeah. even that day, you know, they might all know that they've, they've stated that that's the intention, that's the goal. But still, that doesn't mean that they all know how to and feel comfortable, you know, cultivating those relationships, you know, and initiating those hangouts or those conversations afterwards. You know, so we might know that we want to do something. It's not necessarily clear how. But I think it's really, um, it's common across the board, you know, men, men crave connection. And I think that the healing um, and the connection that's possible when done in community is just so powerful as a pair, yeah. as opposed to trying to do it all on our own. 
Absolutely. Cause guys are tired. They want to be able to share ideas and yeah. um, they want to be able to feel safe to express themselves. And that's what the space provides them. And then also another thing that it provides is all these different perspectives from different backgrounds, which, mm-hmm. which, which speeds the amount of learning and healing that we can do more than a, a one-on-one coaching session can do. So when we do these group facilitations, as you know, as a coach, it's important that um, people have different perspectives and they, you, they're, they're used the guys are practicing their empathy being in that mm. solemn space, you know, in that space where it's just sacred. And it's like, uh, it, it's like, you know, we're uh, tribes of people have gotten together and they have counsel together and they circle up and then they share into the circle and, uh, and they're heard, they have enough space to express themselves, but it just speeds the healing. It, it speeds the learning and guys mm. can appreciate that type of efficiency. Um, so you can come in for a couple hours of, um, you know, you go through the, we go through the yoga, uh, we go through our, like our meeting first, where we gather, we go through like, what, what's on your mind, just a simple, what's on your mind this week, you know? And everyone has the opportunity to share. And then we come up, I, I go around the circle line, just, okay. Like just put a word on what, what it is you're feeling and what you want. Put a word on that. Then we set that intention and we move into the practice. And then afterwards, when we come out of that, I have everyone just share one word they're feeling after. And the purpose of that um, is for them to really understand the differences they've feel understanding the shift that they made happen for themselves before they came into the practice and after they came out and to empower them Mm -hmm. with that knowing that they can make this shift happen for themselves no matter where they're at Mm -hmm. and it's it's a wonderful space to do that because guys don't realize and i wanted to get back to you bringing this up about kyle and and what men typically do without them knowing about it it's like why they love hunting so much why do guys love mm. hunting so much? Is it about, is it about the kill always, or is it about getting together with people that you trust? Is it about getting out in nature and doing something together? Is is about you know like football was when I played years of football. Was it always about the game, or was it about building that camaraderie, that sense of team, and having a goal and building mm-hmm. friendships and that type of thing? And when we get to a certain age, unfortunately, that falls all to that person's spouse, all to the guy's spouse. And that's mm. not a lot <laughs> mm-hmm. that women have to deal with their partners. And so what this does is it provides is just like a relief valve um, to, to like let off steam and then to design the life that they wanted, they want to live. And mm. it's, I'm, I'm, I'm so honored to be doing this work with the guys. And I love mm-hmm. each and every one of those guys that I'm working with. And I can't wait to meet more of you that are out there. Um, <laughs> to continue it on, continue Absolutely. going. And, you know, even just, you know, the sentence that just came out of your mouth, being able to express that, that you love <laughs> these people, yeah. uh, you know, it's funny. I see this so often with, you know, mo- more often than not, it's heterosexual men who have seen them. Yeah. They know, they've known each other for years and years. I know they have a deep connection and they still don't say, I love you. <laughs> and they yeah. give each other just like that firm clap on the back, <laughs> you know, <And> it's like, <laughs> If you've ever seen just like guy friends just melt into an actual hug, it's one of the most beautiful things, you know, Absolutely, seeing people actually just get rid of the stories for a second 
Just right. get rid of all the things saying like, you're not allowed to express affection. It means something's bad about you. Yeah. And you see that suspended and you just see like two men connecting. I, I have the right. pleasure of getting to witness that in, in my friend circle. There's a lot of really heart centered and, you know, emotionally wise um, men that I know around here. And it's just the most beautiful thing. And once you see that, it's it's like you can't you can't go back to the way that it was. Like, no. This is the most authentic way that we can connect. Absolutely. And, you know, that's, that gets people back to their power, uh, to what it's like to be, uh, to be human again. And uh, just, yeah, just even just speaking about it now, it just, it just creates more space. Um, yeah. And that's, that's what we're trying to do in the group and uh, each, each week and, and just getting a little bit about what, the basis of this program that I'm doing here too, is that it's, it's really bringing awareness to the observances that have been in yoga for thousands of years. Mm. Um, the, the yamas and the niyamas and these, these physical, I'm sorry, these personal observances that you're to follow and the social observances that you follow and then making them uh, practical in each and every, like, like in every um, and uh, just building an awareness around the importance of like the number one yama when it comes to, to yoga and the first lesson we teach is nonviolence, mm-hmm. which is probably the toughest one to kind of broach with guys. Cause they, they get themselves really um, they really identify with being violent as being uh, like being, prote- they feel like they, it's important to be protective mm-hmm. and, and it is, but they kind of equate that with being violent, what have you. But so it's, it's a really interesting process to really speak on what it really means is that those violent thoughts that we have with ourselves, not so much what mm-hmm. we do to other people or what we can do or imagining scenarios where we're not a protector. It's not about that. It's about, it's about noticing that harmful self-talk that we give ourselves that if mm-hmm. left unfaded and left to run on a program turns chronic and it turns into aggression and it turns toxic. And then outwardly that turns into something that's harmful. So it's like understanding those little cues that come up in your life. Am I in a hurry? If I'm being hurried, I'm fearful that I'm not going to be on to the place on time. And I could lose my job. Uh, if I can't get someone to work on time, something's going to happen, which leads to being aggressive driving, being an aggressive driver to road rage and all these other different things. So um, noticing these little slight cues that can lead to uh, violent thoughts of ourselves and then breaking those patterns and replacing them with something else instead. Um, that's that's a, and so invaluable for guys. And that's just one of those lessons. And it, it's so timely even today now more than ever. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that there's this whole system in place that's been in yoga for thousands of years and they all work in conjunction and they all just are just also timely, like getting involved with a guy's truth, like understanding everyone, everyone has their right to their own truth and speaking from that and understanding the power of that and how telling the, you know, being truthful to yourself, saves you time and energy and um, the, the non-stealing aspect of it all, the non-possessiveness, um, understanding uh, the, the importance of, of purity and, and uh, cleaning your own, let's say like cleaning your own environment of some mm-hmm. discipline, of uh, contentment. And then one of the last uh, modules is surrender, like we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And so having all of these in place are two steps 
ahead of the third step, which of what we consider to be yoga, which is the postures. And that's yeah. there's eight limbs to yoga. The first two I was speaking on just covered this, the mental and um, just kind of awareness on how to set up your mind, right. To, to absorb the, the, the physical postures and the meditation that comes after that, the breathing techniques, all of it to gain a greater understanding of ourselves and, um, and have the courage to express ourselves. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, for people that are making this transition and kind of exploring these themes for the first time, you know, I've seen it feel a bit overwhelming for people that are not used to thinking about themselves and their lives, their approach to living in these ways. And I think that having some sort of system or a structure or a process can be really helpful to satisfy that part of, of the brain, you know, that, that wants some sense of like, wait, what's coming? What am I doing here? You know, what, what is it that I'm doing? And so yeah. I think that that's a really beautiful part of your offer where there is this sense of structure and plenty of space for flow, for just be sharing organically what comes up in the moment. Absolutely. And yes. And gosh, I just, I have so many other questions that I could <laughs> ask you. And I, I feel like I'm going to have to bring you on for a part two. I would love oh, to do that. that. But as we yeah. run out of time... I just want to ask you, you know, if your listener, if our listeners would like to learn a bit more about you and your offerings, where can they find you, Spencer? I just got my website up and going. I'm at spencerforhire.com. Um, or you can send me an email and that's, and that's spelled that's S P E N C E R and for F O R hire is spelled H I G H E R. And, uh, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Spencer for hire there. And also if you just want to send me an email, I'm Spencer at Spencer for hire. I love it. Yeah. And I will link these in the show notes as well. Spencer, it has been an absolute yeah. pleasure getting to chat with you today. You know, I had some questions all nicely lined up for us, but I just went for it and riffed because this was a really <laughs> organically flowing dialogue and, uh, you know, those are my favorite. So thank you so much for sharing your energy with me today. Oh, absolutely. It's been a pleasure, Larissa. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak on this. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend, like, and subscribe. Helping us a little goes a very long way. If you find our content valuable and would like to deepen your journey, I invite you to join my program, The Empowered Empath. Inside, you'll receive lifetime access to information, community, and live support from me to help you embrace your sensitivity, feel more grounded in your body, clarify your understanding of who you are and what you want from life, and gain a set of tools to help you live in alignment with your values and desires. Follow the link in the show notes to learn more and join us today.